0: Shot Tower, the real NBA, fantasy NBA hybrid podcast brought to you by Kyle Stein, Jalen Utsi, and Michael Kimball. We're still in the Eastern Conference. We're looking at the Atlantic today. And we're going to begin with the Toronto Raptors, last year's champions, 58 and 24. Seems a little difficult to think they'll make that record this year. What do the Toronto Raptors need to do to repeat?
1: I think the Raptors are the most unlikely champion to date i still every time that i that that i hear them as champions it sounds a little um fantastical um when when i was in the car and i was listening to another podcast and they said that they were going to talk about the reigning champions i was like i had the warriors in my head or i don't know some other team and definitely not the raptors
0: I think the Raptors are so unlikely of a champion that it's difficult for us to even think about what they might do next. And the way they got there was so unlikely that it also makes it difficult to think about what they might do to repeat.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting. So you want, you wonder if Kawhi had gone back, if they might have felt more like a champion. Without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. Like, that,
0: that, that was it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it feels like they, they won the... They won the championship, and they have no real chance of repeating at all. Like it's not like they made some smart moves and they got rid of some expensive pieces. They just they lost their best player, and that's it. They have no chance of repeating, basically, unless they somehow pull the same magic trick again and well, get like another. Well, like picking up
0: co- Stanley Johnson. <laughs> well, we'll get to Stanley Johnson. We can't not talk about Stanley Johnson. But I think what you said, Jalen, is a key point. We didn't expect the Toronto GM to make this happen last year. And it happened. What might he do this year? Is there any possibility for him to make those similar moves?
2: I mean, it seems difficult because whatever they would acquire in that sort of trade would require them to give up their best pieces. And probably their best player on the roster is Pascal Siakam. And I don't foresee them trading him in any deal unless they're getting like a young star around the same age. But like, probably has to be more of a proven talent Uh, if they want to have uh, an opportunity to win a championship than Siakam is and also has room to grow. So it just seems hard to find that sort of player.
1: No team in the league has more money in expiring contracts than the Raptors right now. And no team has Masai Ujiri as their general manager, who has managed to turn expiring contracts and kind of middling assets into... Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard or other (laughs) forms of gold. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's true. I mean, I have have nothing but respect and appreciation for the job Masai Ujiri did. But, I mean, I feel like they also found a unique partner in the Spurs because the Spurs are the Spurs and Pops, you know, in his last years in the NBA and he's not trying to be tanking or trying to rebuild in those last couple years. So the Spurs are sort of a unique partner for that trade anyways because – in what other situation would a, a rebuilding team accept someone like DeMar DeRozan, who we know has like a ceiling on his ability and puts a cap on your team's effectiveness and ability to win a championship in the playoffs? You know, I think that was like a unique product of the Spurs saying, you know, we'll plug them in, we'll get to the playoffs again, maybe things will break right for us and we'll be, you know, in a conference finals or something. But All the other superstar trades, we see a lot of picks going back and and not necessarily established players. So those two giant holes on the Toronto Raptors, the loss of Kawhi Leonard
0: and the loss of Danny Green, leads me to the next question. The Raptors 2-3, and who's it going to be, and what is the rotation at those
2: spots? I mean, that's a good question. What do you think, Kyle?
1: Well, they're projecting right now that we'll – See Norman Powell there. Um, I think... At the two. Yeah, I think with the direction the team is going, um, in by direction, I think that, you know, they were a fearsome defensive team last year, but they lose a lot of their offensive firepower that they did have by losing Kawhi and a 45% from three-point range, Danny Green. And so I think that... Norman Powell makes some sense um, coming in as a two to if you want to shore up scoring, but their identity might even go harder into you know being an elite level defensive team in which case I wonder if Stanley Johnson um, can work his way into minutes there. Um, I'm still a Stanley Johnson i i I won't say believer because I don't know if i there I don't, I don't know if at this two point you can Stanley believe. Johnson
0: yeah. fans in this room and possibly yeah. three. I don't want to make any assumptions for
1: Jalen, but this is his last chance, maybe no, yeah I think I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's more or less his last chance I mean, um he didn't even play for the Pels um no. when he got traded there, and I thought that that was a perfect scenario for him where he was on a team that was desperately in need of wings. um, And I thought that he would be in a situation where he could get some of the confidence that I was convinced Stan Van Gundy had beaten out of him. Um, I mean, we remember his, you remember his summer league, the first season he came in the league. Um, He had some, um, I think it was Drew League um, videos out there where he just looked when he had confidence, like he could drop anything. And he came into the regular season, and I don't think Van Gundy even gave him time in the first like month. And he I mean, one mistake, and he was getting yanked. Yeah, and, he, and just, he just seemed to never recover. Yeah, I wonder if the culture that Nick Nurse has created there gives him some, you know, some confidence that he needs to become the player that we all thought he could become. And he's back there with uh, his former running mate at Arizona, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You know, he's got some familiar also some faces. Big hopes for from back when he was really good.
0: Yeah, I would love to see R.H.J. have a bounce back too. I mean, I think he could be an important piece here. Um, yeah, well, well, it, it, it's it's hard to see. It's hard. Um, one of the reasons I'm curious about that two three and Jalen chime in with any thoughts about it too are the fantasy implications are the two and three for the Raptors, are those viable fantasy guys in a 12-team, nine-cat regular league, or do they only become viable in a deep league like ours?
2: Um, I mean, I'm probably the least fantasy knowledgeable on the pod here, but my first instinct is to say no. I mean, so, I mean, I feel like this is a really interesting question. So we were just talking about Masai Ujiri. Um, he's at his old tricks again i think uh we've got stanley johnson on the team ronda hollis jefferson and cameron payne uh all three guys are sort of quote unquote second draft guys who were former first round picks who didn't really pan out and now we're looking for them to um come do and make amends for those earlier years and come into their own and find their potential and reach their potential in on this like second uh well, not second, second contract, I guess, multiple teams for most of these guys. So, you know, that's of of interest. And then Norman Powell, I mean, I feel like Norman Powell is enticing, but he never plays enough defense to stick in the rotation and be as impactful. I wonder in certain matchups, you know, um, Nick Nurse, we've seen Nick Nurse do crazy things in the playoffs, playing a box and one against the Warriors and Steph Curry. Could he start Fred Van Vliet at the two some games? Uh, Could he do it for most of the season, the whole season? They would be especially small at the two. But Van Lee is a strong guy. um, And I think he's a more capable ball handler, certainly, than Powell, if not a more capable shooter. Um, So it would be interesting. So I feel like there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity for this team to go in different directions. They can sell everything off and start the tank. Uh, in in full, or they can maybe swing a trade like we've just been talking about and try to get back in the playoffs and make a run in the playoffs.
1: Even if Fred Van Vliet doesn't start, I expect him to get more minutes than whoever does start at the 2.
2: Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Yeah,
0: Monster has uh, Fred at 31 and Norman and OG at 27 each. So um, they're, right. they're they're on that too. I mean, it is an interesting question. The, the the second best player on the Raptors after Siakam could be, well, we still have Lowry, of course, but um, coming up could be Van Vliet, their sixth man.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, Van Vliet would be my best guess. Um, well, I mean, I guess – so let's say Siakam's let's say Siakam's the best player. I think I would put Lowry as the second best player. Um, then you probably have to go with Gasol as a third best player and then maybe Van Vliet, yeah. but maybe Van Vliet takes a jump and, it, and thinking, makes it interesting.
1: I was thinking Gasol's defensive impact during the regular season puts him in, you know, a top three conversation for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: It it should. Um uh, keep in mind Gasol's probably gonna be around 25, 26 minutes gonna be a little bit fewer and he has a weird fantasy line it is not traditional it is not full there are holes There are flaws so um Gasol while he could be a valuable player only take him if he fits your build
2: yeah and I think uh another interesting thing more so in the real NBA than the fantasy NBA uh is OG Ananobi who missed so much of last season with injuries um you know on Real GM, Serge Ibaka is slated as the starting power forward, but we've already seen Serge Ibaka sort of um, oscillate from being a starter to a bench player uh, in this Raptors, on this Raptors team. So I wouldn't be shocked to see OG Ananobi start some games this year. And, you know, he did have a, a rough year last year, but if he starts making the three, he's got a lot of defensive p- potential and, you know, he could be an impact player for the real Toronto Raptors. Yeah, yeah. Well okay, so before we move on uh, i see i feel like the conversation's winding down, but before we move on, what are people's expectations for this raptors team um we we hinted at it a little um you know intimating their different possibilities of different directions they can go in this season, but um What are everyone's feelings about the Raptors? Do we expect them to make the playoffs or do you expect them to finish in the East race this year?
0: Yeah, I have them uh, making the playoffs. I think uh, the East is light enough for that to happen. I'm not sure if they'll get to 50 wins. Um, I see high 40s as in their current makeup. But the other question here is what we were talking about to open. Um, I don't think this is the team that's going to end the season for the Raptors. I think we could see a considerably different team.
1: I mean it really could depend on how well they're playing though because I think Absolutely. even as constructed you they are in the conversation for the third seed. Yeah. Um I think that we we pretty much have a two horse race with the Bucks but, and the right. Sixers. They're the now, third they seed but they're not going injuries. to be the
0: one or two seed.
1: <laughs> and the Raptors have a real shot at the third seed. I mean, I don't think that the the best teams in that conversation are probably the Celtics, the Pacers, um I think some people, I heard Zach Lowe mention this, for instance, um, are um, sort of seeing the, the Magic as a sort of like um, darling rising team yeah. that, that could um, take the third seed. Very right now. But you know, we were not high on them um, <laughs> at all. But, but, uh, but the Raptors could really do that. And if they're in the mix for home court in the first round, I don't know if they move these salaries this year, you know, or or at least move the salaries before the trade deadline. I mean, they could move it in the the NBA sort of season year before, um, you know, free agency or the draft. But I wonder if they're actually competing if they don't hold out and see where it takes them.
2: Yeah, I think they would have to be just blown away with an offer to make that sort of trade because I agree. I think they're definitely in the running for the third seed. And I... As I was thinking about this team, I I thought about the Memphis Grizzlies, and I thought about how often Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley could get you into the playoffs or could get you fighting for that eighth seed in the West. Um, and yeah, and I kind of feel like Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry is a good uh, base of a team, especially in the East. You know, if Kyle Lowry comes out aggressive this year, shooting the three well, uh, he could be an all-star you know he could be a force especially in the weaker conference in the east so um and you know Marcus Soul's defense Serge Ibaka's defense they they still have the ability to play big or small you know they they're, they're kind of interesting i think i think i could definitely see them um ending up at the 3rd seed and i almost have more confidence in them to end up at the 3rd seed than the Celtics even though on paper i think the Celtics have more more talent um bigger holes yeah
0: a lot of big holes for the Celtics i think and we'll get
1: to those um, I think their big rotation, the Raptors' big rotation, is really formidable. I mean, when I've, I still believe in there's a lot of talent here. I still believe in Rondae Hollis Jefferson, um, especially when he's going to be what their fourth, um, you know, fourth power forward center, depending on how they're going to play lineups.
0: Yeah, I mean, Basketball Monster has uh, Rondae uh, as the ninth man, um, only getting about 16 minutes a game, but. If Powell or OG shows up, if Van Vliet has anything like his post baby playoff run, it, you, you know, there are a lot of things that could come together for them, but do they still do they ever beat the Bucks or the Sixers?
1: No.
2: No, but I mean all the contracts are coming off the books anyway, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. <laughs> they'll, Take a shot. they'll they'll Take a they'll shot. cash those playoff checks and <laughs> You know, send all the Toronto fans home a little bit happier.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
2: Also, um, Dewan Hernandez, the artist formerly known as Dewan Huel, uh, former University of Miami basketball player, is also on the Raptors. I'm just going to shout that out every time there's a University of Miami basketball player um, in the pros on one of these pro teams.
0: He is on Basketball Monsters. He's the 15th guy. Uh, they have him at six minutes, potentially. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, he'll probably be in the G League. i just just throwing that out there. Um, any last fantasy notes? I would like to mention um, uh, Siakam. Uh, one of the things I see popping up everywhere where people talk about his splits with and without Kawhi, they don't change much, and it's being used as reasoning that he may not have a big jump this year like he did last year. We may be seeing similar stat lines. Still pretty good stat lines, though.
1: Um, any other values here that you guys see? Let's. One more thing about Siakam, yeah. though, because he may still have a similar fantasy value, but it might be for different reasons. Um, True. I do think that his usage usage will go up. It should. I, I think that he won't get as easy of shots without Kawhi Leonard on the floor, and you could see some efficiency go down. He also may. They're a very big team, and right. they're probably going to have to play even bigger in some ways because their best guards are Van Vliet and Lowry, and both are small, yeah. um, unders- undersized guards, especially if you're going to have Van Vliet coming in as a two. Um, and that could cut it into his rebound numbers, which could you know, further uh, impact his fantasy value. But I think the overall usage is going to put him in the same... You know, where did he finish last season? In the 30s? 30s, um, 34, I think so, yeah. 34, um, 35. I uh, think that's a reasonable projection for yeah, him. Yeah, Monster again. has him at
0: 35 right now. Yeah,
1: that, that seems right to me. Um, all right, here we are. Moving on.
0: I think a team that could be one of the more interesting ones to talk about. Uh, my childhood favorite team, along with the Pistons, um, was the Philadelphia 76ers. Fifty-one and thirty-one your last year, a bit of a disappointing run in the playoffs. We saw some problems with the offense, especially. There were other issues with that team. This is a giant starting five. Who is their sixth man? Who is their seventh man?
2: Um Those are the questions, right? (laughs) Well, I think they'll probably rely on James Ennis uh, a lot. You know, he he had some nice moments in the playoffs. So I think the expectation is that he'll come in and hopefully be able to extend that uh, quality of play throughout the regular season. Um, you know, he had to adjust to coming from the, the rocket system to coming over to the Philadelphia 76ers. So I think there was a bit of a learning curve there during the regular season. So hopefully he can duplicate his quality play, um, throughout the whole season this year. Um, also I think, um, sleeper guy is Howell Neto. Um, nice, nice guard off the bench, nice backup point guard. Um, real GM has Trey Burke listed as the primary, Uh, backup point guard, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Hollow Neto play. Um, Good driver, pretty quick. Um, I liked seeing him play uh, for the Jazz. So that would be my guess. And then I think they're definitely expecting um, Zaire Smith to take a jump. Um, And they're definitely expecting, I don't know if they're expecting major contributions from Tybalt, but I think they're They're definitely expecting something for him. All the the picks they gave up for him, I think they're expecting something.
0: And even some small improvements from Scott and Bolden. They'll be in the mix there, too. Kyle, what do you
1: think on that 6-7 rotation or any version of that you'd like? I think there are two different ways to look at it. There's the most likely, and there's the sort of dream scenario for the Sixers. Um, I think that most likely – James Ennis is going to probably be their first person off the bench. Um, I, he contributed down the stretch last year. He's tr- he's trusted. He played in the playoffs. He played good minutes. Um, he, he hits shots, um, and he does what they need him to do. Um, they probably second person off the bench, I think, is probably going to be Mike Scott for basically the same reasons. Um, he again, um, gave them good minutes in the playoffs. I mean, he couldn't stay on the court all that much. He had injuries last year. But um, when he was available, he gave them range, um, and it allowed them to you know, keep some starters in every lineup. Um, and dream scenario is that Zaire Smith begins his ascent to becoming – The player that they just let get away to the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, um, which I think is what they dream that he'll be. When you hear them talk about um, Zaire, um, they are really interested in his playmaking capabilities and in his dribble drives and in his general athleticism. And it's really a question of whether the shot will get to a point where it can you know, sort of hold together that skill set.
2: Yeah, I think Mike Scott and James Ennis are going to play for sure. So I think safest bet is those two guys being the sixth and seventh guys. Um, So it's interesting. We were sort of talking about the environment in which you come into the league and how that helps or harms your development and advancement. And I have some thoughts about that in regards to Jonah Bolden because I feel like Jonah Bolden has some – he's got some tools. He can shoot the three a little bit. Um, He's pretty mobile for a big, uh, but I think he kind of gets put in the doghouse for making bonehead mistakes or being too error prone on the court. So I wonder if he'll be able to develop uh, as much under the circumstances, because obviously the Sixers are sort of, you know, Eastern Conference finals or bust, you know, finals or bust right now uh, after the trades that they've made. So, Hopefully he gets a chance. Hopefully he can take some steps forward, and he could be an interesting uh, third or fourth big. They're they're kind of stacked at the power forward and center position, obviously with Al Horford and Joel Embiid. Um, they also picked up Kylo Quinn, uh, and I imagine if they're going to play small, they're probably going to play Mike Scott over Jonah Bolden. So it'll be tough for him, but I'm hoping to see improvements and see his game sort of pop this year.
1: I like Kylo Quinn
0: there. I feel like he's a great piece as a backup that it, won't have to play right
1: now, but could. But he could, and he could in part because they might view Al, Horth- Al Horford's health as being more important in the regular season than his playing center mi- minutes, which I'm sure he'll do in the playoffs. Well, but you wonder if Kylo Quinn could get real run there, in you know that would basically keep Horford at the power forward position. And then he could be a secondary playmaker, you know, a, a playmaker in the second unit. That is, uh, that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no,
0: I think you raised an interesting point because I do see, um, you know, as we look at um, uh, this lack of depth, so to speak, in the 76ers lineup, it brings up a lot of questions about how these rotations will work. I could see Kylo Quinn getting ten minutes a game just, you know, always playing, but giving Embiid and Horford those extra minutes. That's why I see Scott getting a little bump this year, Bolden hopefully getting a bump. Um, I see those bigs uh, being in some rotation there as they try to figure it out. Um, A lot of interesting players. Their dream scenario is some of these guys improving really quickly. And if they get one or two, this is a scary team.
2: Yeah, I mean, so we're talking about bench pieces. Um what are your thoughts on Matisse Thybul? So I'm I'm getting bad juju because the Sixers uh traded multiple picks to draft a guy who also went to Washington and also played with Markel Fultz. So I feel like I've seen this movie before and it didn't work out well. They just they traded the guy to the magic because he forgot how to shoot or was having mental issues or having thoracic outlet syndrome or both. Um I'm not saying thoracic outlet syndrome is in the water in Washington, but, you know, I'm just, I'm a little nervous that they traded the 24th and the 33rd pick, and the 33rd pick was Carson Edwards to the Celtics. And, you know, as we talked about on a previous pod, I'm no huge fan of Danny Ainge, but it feels like he keeps sticking it to the Sixers post <laughs> Um, So, yeah, I'm a little nervous.
1: Well, that was really Elton Brand telegraphing his move. Yeah. Right. That he made it very clear that they knew who they were going to get and and then let it leak that the person that they were going to get um, or even didn't let it leak, which just made it so obvious that anyone could figure out that they were going for this player and uh, Young GM and,
2: and Danny Age
1: <laughs> knows where you know when to pounce.
2: Yeah. He Sometimes knows where to knows apply the to pressure. Pounce. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we're Except not, when it we're comes just, to trading for Kawhi and Paul George. I yeah, guess. we're not into
1: the Danny Ainge mythology. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we call that all into
0: question here. Um, I think the 76ers have a lot of other questions. Um, one of them is that two-man game that was a big part of the offense, Embiid and J.J. J.J.'s gone. What does that look like now?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I think they're, like you said, they have a lot of questions. And so Kyle mentioned this um, sort of off air as we were planning for this pod. You said they have competing, uh, competing instincts, competing inclinations, and I think that's a really great way of saying it. You know, you've got Ben Simmons, who likes to run, Josh Richardson, who I think would work well in a running system. But then you've got Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid, uh, and Al Horford. Now Al, Al Horford can run a little, but if they are going to play Al Horford and Joel Embiid in their best lineups, you know, they're probably not going to be doing a lot of running. So
1: yeah, it's a question of whether you want them running that many minutes. Yeah.
2: Time. Especially Joel Embiid with his checkered injury history. So it seems, it seems that's part of the conversation as well. You know, what is this team going to look like? How are they going to play? Um, what pace are they going to play at? I would suspect they wouldn't, run super quickly, I would expect him to crash the offensive glass. And that would be one of the ways that they make up points. You know, Ben Simmons is a 6'10 point guard. Uh, Josh Richardson is a good size uh, shooting guard. Tobias Harris is really a power forward playing small forward. So he should be able to bully guys and get on the boards. So I think they should be able to crash the offensive glass. I think James Ennis had a really high uh, offensive rebounding rate for his position. So I think that's one way that they'll be able to make up some of the points um I I think my larger theory is that, you know, this is going to be a defense first, offensive rebounding, you know, selective pushing in transition by Ben Simmons and I think Joel Embiid's just going to have to be really good and they're going to have to play to Joel Embiid and I don't know if this is the year that he'll, you know, be league average from 3 um or better. I suspect it won't be, but I think this team is going to go as far as Joel Embiid takes them because I've seen Josh Richardson tasked with primary shot creation duties, and he was a little overextended. Um, so I can't see a scenario in which he plays that Jimmy Butler role wholly without, you know, big help from Joel Embiid and maybe Al Horford in terms of long-range shooting or just domination on the inside.
0: I mean, one of the things that Richardson brings, too, um, that Jimmy didn't I, – I think he's a better fit just on the team and that's mm-hmm. competing – hierarchies or whatever we would like to call them. I think Richardson's a great fit for all of those reasons and does many of the same things that Jimmy did. Tenacious defender, can shoot the three, can play
1: make. We're also looking at a little wrong because he was the player who came in in the signing trade for sure. Butler. So we, sure, we, you know, so we have this sort of bias for thinking of him as a replacement for Butler when I think what you're going to see is a lot of Butler's responsibilities and particularly those that he picked up in the playoffs are going to be distributed absolutely and you know you can expect to have some improvement in Ben Simmons shot I hope um, and in his just general playmaking as players do when they're you know going into their this will be his what third full season and I also think that Al Horford is a great playmaking big and they didn't have that level of playmaking, power forward, you know, um, before. And so in some ways, what Butler's doing doesn't have to all be taken up by one player. And exactly, and, no, in, a, it, in a secondary point, yeah.
0: well, I just think that it's not, a, I think you, you made a really smart point. This isn't a one-to-one thing we're talking about here. I think what Richardson and Horford do is make this a much better team just functionally on the court in the half court but also defensively it makes it a better team Jimmy Butler's a great player but he didn't fit as well on that
1: team and I still wonder if Trey Burke this was the secondary point to this um, when we're talking about the 6th and 7th yeah. whether he's not a great pickup for them you know, I think that it's Everybody wants their six-man to be the next Lou Williams, right? Um, or <laughs> yeah, Jamal sure, Crawford course. or any of these great, you know, multiple six-man-of-the-year award winners. Vinny um, Johnson. Vinny Johnson, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do think that Trey Burke has a really interesting skill set where he could come out and fill some of those, you know, desired roles. He, he can put up games I and mean, put up points, you know, he can – I'm trying. To, let's check the exact numbers on this. But he he put up a couple of thirty pointers last year on the Knicks. Do I have that right?
0: He put up some big numbers on the Knicks when he got a little run. Um, you know, he's not going to get those minutes here, but he could be, like you said, a really smart pickup that is a great backup for them. NATO could be too. Like we don't know what we're going to get from either of those guys yet
1: in this system. Yeah, they'll play different roles. I mean, I do think of, yeah, of Nato as a more traditional point guard, and Burke playing as more of a scoring. Nato off the bench. is the
0: T.J. McConnell replacement. If we could do a one to one,
1: he's a yeah. Uh, but he can shoot a, the three, which makes him a, a much better sure. fit for what the Sixers yeah. need.
0: Oh, which brings me—I'm just going to throw this question in here um, because we didn't do it. Um, who will be missed more? Jimmy Butler,
1: uh, J.J. Redick, T.J. McConnell, or Boban? It's an interesting question because I wonder, like, when you're posing that, um, Jimmy Butler, maybe? Sure. But then can you really count how much Jimmy Butler will be missed without taking into account that – they also lost Covington to get yeah. him and then also picked up Josh Richardson <laughs> sure. because you know it's sure. a, it was a series of transpositions. That's why the answer is Bobon. The answer is Bobon, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bobon, well, I mean, honestly, that's what Tobias would say, right? There's a spirit to the Bobon that,
0: yeah, cannot be denied.
2: Um, so wait, before we move on, I want to say so, Kyle, you were saying that, um, you know the the playmaking responsibilities the the role that Jimmy Butler vacated won't be filled solely by Josh Richardson and i totally agree with that but do you have questions about the sixers ability to Make up that hole because, in the toughest moments in crunch time in the playoffs and late in the season, the offense turned into the Jimmy Butler offense. It turned into Jimmy Butler as the primary shot creator and playmaker, the primary pick and roll ball handler. um, And Ben Simmons, uh, unless he was out in transition, was in the dunker spot, essentially playing the power forward in the half court offense. And so now he can't really do that if Al Horford's on the floor because Al Horford is going to be down there with Joel Embiid in the dunker spot or, you know, somewhere in that paint. And so you get I into, don't think that's true. you get I think, into a question of like Al Horford, Al Horford, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons all roving around the paint. One of them's going to have to be on the outside and presumably, I presume what you're going to say is Al Horford will yeah. be out there, but I don't know. I yeah, do I guess I have it, questions about that. I do that.
1: think that his outside shooting would warrant his being on the perimeter in those situations. Yeah, of those three, certainly. I have some thoughts about um, some things that analytics can't sort of capture in its net and that generally get sort of um, put out into the the field of soft science or that, you know, that's unquantifiable. um, And... Some of those terms are like team chemistry and confidence in these things. And I actually think that someday, um, we're probably talking 20, 30 years maybe, we'll have advanced enough analytics where things like confidence and things like chemistry will be in some ways quantifiable. They're far too complex phenomena to be able to capture now. But I do think they're real. I don't think that they're just some human bias that we have. I don't think that they're a mirage. And I do think that Jimmy Butler um, did things to that team that were detrimental um, from a chemistry standpoint. Without a Um, doubt. And from a confidence standpoint for people particularly like Ben Simmons where you could see some sort of cascading effects that – where you know where, um, you just have an entirely different system of five players on the court. Where the question of whether Jimmy Butler should have the ball right now just won't come up because they'll play differently as a cohesive group than yeah. what they did with yeah. Jimmy Butler on that team.
0: Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Completely agree. And I think it's important to note here too that I mean one of the things you're saying is. It, In the NBA, analytics is still fairly young. We don't have enough data yet to piece those things out if we can eventually piece them out, but we will over time accumulate that and begin to piece these other things out. So that's coming. I wanna say, um, I was reading that Mike Miller was helping Ben Simmons with his eight to 10 foot jump shots. And the thing that immediately occurred to me, and Jalen, this is for you, sprawl ball Mm -hmm. he should not be shooting eight to ten foot jump shots nobody Mm -hmm. should be shooting eight to foot ten ten foot jump shots yeah so like what is happening there
2: so i mean i think i have no idea what's happening there um (laughs) i I don't yeah i don't want ben simmons shooting eight to ten foot jump shots i mean I think the eight to 10 foot jump shot is like in the range where it's like really tough or maybe it's closer to like it, six to eight. It's like,
0: the worst percentage for a two point shot, if I remember remembering correctly. Yeah,
2: I think you want to be all the way at the rim or a little bit further out. So yep. it's like a more traditional jump shot yep. and you can put like, you know, you can shoot it, you know, instead of having to like half arm it or turn it into a floater. Um, But yeah, I mean, this goes back to my question. So, I mean, I've been like frantically looking at these stats, trying to find something Basically, I think my argument is that, like, in transition, Ben Simmons is a monster, and in the half court, he's not as dominant as a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo or LeBron James. So I was just reading, like, a stat on ESPN, I think it was from Kirk Goldsberry, about um, the most efficient shooters or best shooters in the this past decade, and LeBron shot, like, 69% in the paint um, over the over this past decade. And I, I feel like ben Simmons, needs, ben Simmons needs to be shooting that well to be a dominant force in the half court if he's not going to be making a jump shot. And I would be surprised to see him making a jump shot this year. So that's not to say that I'm low on the Sixers. It's just that I have questions. I guess what all I'm saying is that I feel like I need to see it work and the things that I know are the things that I'm confident will work are sort of size. They're going to be huge. They're going to be really good on defense. Josh Richardson is obviously better than JJ Redick on defense. And I think Josh Richardson's also better than Jimmy Butler at guarding the other team's opposing point guards and two guards. Um, and, you know, so I think they're going to be even better on defense likely um like i said i think they're gonna kill on the offensive glass so i think they're gonna have ways to be successful um but i don't know if they have the ultimate offensive ceiling i just i i I just can't get it out of my head you know i keep thinking like the past what like seven out of eight championships have been won by that prototypical um best player in the world small forward so like lebron has three he got the two in miami the one in cleveland Kawhi has the one in Toronto, the one in San Antonio. KD has the two with the Warriors, and the only outlier is that 2014-2015 year where the Warriors sort of uh, blitzed the league and caught everyone uh, by surprise. So it's kind of like they traded away that piece, and even though that piece wasn't in that tier, Jimmy Butler's not in that tier of Kawhi, KD, um, and and LeBron James. But they traded away the most, the closest facsimile of that that they had for a player who is is offensively worse than Jimmy Butler so I guess that's I just can't get it out of my head but I think the Sixers will be fine in the regular season and we'll see we'll see if they figure out a way to reach that offensive ceiling to um you know take them to the heights that they need to maybe they don't even need to maybe the defense will be so good it won't matter
0: well that's a curious point I think because it's entirely possible the defense is that good that these offensive questions aren't um, what we're talking about. So um, before we move on to our next team, I think we should talk a little about the fantasy implications of the 76ers. We've done that a bit. Um, but one of the things that struck me as I was looking at projections for this season is ne- with this start with this new starting five, nearly everybody's projections are lower than they were last year. Every single player here. Richardson because of a new role, Harris because of a new role. Um, But one of the biggest surprises to me was to see Yahoo come in mid-40s projection for Simmons and then Monster demoting him even further in the mid-70s, I want to say it was. Um, Kyle, I think you'll have something to say about this.
1: I think those rankings on Yahoo at least have updated. Oh, Has I he think, moved up? I think the last time I was looking, I saw him more in the 20s, okay. uh, high 20s. But As 20s. the average draft pick? Yeah. And, but
0: their projection was in the 40s, and I think that is right. As, yeah. as, as the more people draft, he is sliding up. His average up. Dra-
1: draft position is going but up. But
0: Monster still has him in the 70s. Could be what I see as Monster's overvaluation, is free throw percentage. Um, but is there something else at work here?
1: Josh Lloyd is right a lot. What do we think? So Ben Simmons is, as you say, ranked at 75. And I think that's largely a product of his poor free throw percentage, his high turnover rate. Sure. Um, and his likely declining rebound numbers with Horford on the court with him and potential declining assist numbers from distributing the ball more with two other good facilitators in Richardson and Horford. That said, he's, you know, for me in particular, um, with the build I have where I'm punting three pointers, field goal percentage, I mean, free throw percentage and turnovers, he's still a top 10 player uh, because he's going to get me all of those other stat categories that I need. Um, and that's the other part I didn't mention: is Ben Simmons doesn't hit three pointers. Although I expect this year, and every podcaster out there that I've listened to has said this will be the year he hits the first um, three pointer of his career. That is, um, uh,
0: I think uh, monster projects him to zero three pointers per game, but they do project everybody else at more than one a game.
2: I th- I think in, in his teammates, especially in the starting lineup, might be sneakily good at shooting the three. So he might surprisingly have more opportunity to kick out for threes because I mean, Tobias Harris is going to have to run some pick and roll because, um, they don't have anyone else to do it besides him and Josh Richardson and Ben Simmons. Um, but Tobias Harris is a good three-point shooter. Josh Richardson is a good three-point shooter, especially off the catch. Al Horford is a solid three-point shooter. So, I mean, I think, in some in some ways he'll be better off in that respect he won't have jj so that'll hurt but he also won't have jimmy butler pounding the ball and who's also not a great three point shooter so yeah i feel like he might have a sneaky good season sort of creating assist wise i don't know if it will average out you know in the aggregate to be better assist wise but yeah that's that's something i thought yeah,
0: of yeah and i, I the, the key point here too is is um one that Kyle was making around Simmons All of these players, it's about being in the correct build. If I had Simmons in my build where I try to get free throw percentage and try to keep my turnovers low to beat these uber value production teams that have high turnovers, um, he's a very difficult player for me to pick up. But in Kyle's build, he's a top 10 player. Um, A couple other checks to just be aware of as you're drafting. Embiid, his game... Uh, averages, values are amazing. Keep in mind load management will be involved here. We're probably looking at him missing 20 games, give or take um, without injury. So um, keep that in mind and keep the devalued roles of the other players in mind as, as you look at who to draft from this team. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers, the 2020 NBA champions. Whoa. <laughs> All right.
2: <laughs> well, Buck's Twitter is going to come for you. <laughs>
0: um, here we are. Uh, the number three team from last season, the Boston Celtics at 49 and 33. Um, they aren't the incredibly deep team they were last year, but there are going to be a lot of opportunities for people. Um, one of the things I'm wondering about, um, does the coach have a bounce back year? <laughs>
2: Are we also not on the Brad Stevens mythology train?
0: I mean, I was on the Brad Stevens mythology train up into up into the beginning of last season when it obviously began to fall apart and all of the things that he seemingly did so well with player relations just disappeared.
2: But <laughs> The Brad Stevens thing is so funny to me because I feel like he's universally respected and like the people who criticize him are mostly just they're able to criticize him because it's fun because he knows that everyone in the league, both players and coaches respect his ability. And it's mostly a reaction to like, The reality of the internet—it's mostly a reaction to people on Twitter being like, "If I had the choice to start a franchise with LeBron or Brad Stevens, I would choose Brad Stevens." It's like those takes that people are like arguing (laughs) against, and not anything to do with actual, literal, real Brad Stevens. Uh, But it's also funny because (laughs) one of the one of the jokes about Brad Stevens is that he's a mid-major coach in the NBA, so he can't deal with star personalities. And I don't know if that's true. Who can deal with? Uh, Kyrie Irving's personality, Nobody. right he he got Katie. away from he got away from LeBron. KD and he's, DeAndre, he's out of Boston. <laughs> yeah, now no. now he's with KD. <laughs> so who knows? Who, who can deal with Kyrie? So I don't know if I want to put that on him, but it is a funny joke to, that he's just sort of like he can only coach, you know a bunch of uh, undersized, unathletic white dudes who didn't get major college, sc- college scholarship offers. And, you know, he can't deal with superstar personalities.
1: Speaking Gordon of- Hayward is a real athlete, though. <laughs> well, he I is. did want to
0: say, speaking of uh, white guys and bounce backs, <laughs> Gordon Hayward.
2: Yes. Second year, is- what is it? Second year off the, the major injury. He should be better this, is the this year. This for is sure. the year.
0: It's I coming? I so, too. He's valued pretty reasonably if you look at the production uh, projections on both Yahoo and Basketball Monster. Um, could be a sneaky valuable pick. Um, there are a lot of questions still, though, with the Celtics.
2: Um, yeah, I feel like I didn't. I don't even remember the question you asked, but I definitely didn't answer it. I just made jokes <laughs> it about wasn't Brad Stevens.
0: Really a question to be answered? I just wanted to. S- mention a coach having a bounce back year I just really wanted to work that joke in that was the main purpose to that whole bit Um, but I do really want to know Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown who's starting
2: I think Jalen Brown's gonna start I mean I don't know the question is is Gordon is Gordon Hayward gonna start at is he a two or a three he's a three right he's been playing three for,
0: for fantasy uh, purposes, he's a two and a three. He gets both designations. On uh, the Celtics, though, I think it's mostly a three that they run him.
2: So, Real GM and ESPN depth charts have him listed as a backup shooting guard. So, they really? both they both have Kimba, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Ennis Kenner as a starting five. Don't that's, know if that's accurate, but...
1: That's what I've heard from... All
0: right, I'm looking at Monster right now. We've got Kemba at the one. They're suggesting Smart at the two, Tatum at the three, Hayward at the four, and Cantor at the five. Don't forget, they're thin at the four and the five.
2: Yeah. Very.
0: So, I, I, <laughs> what? I mean, maybe Hayward's slowness works better. I mean, one of the, <laughs> one the, the ways four? I
1: wanted to open up the conversation about the Celtics was whether Robert Williams becomes really valuable by the end of the season just because they're so shallow at at the four and the five and because Ennis Cantor is a he's you know he's a great offensive player and actually I just listened to Ben Simmons I mean Bill Simmons I'm sorry um, on the low post who was uh, saying that he was on board the the uh, Innes Cantor train um, all the way back in in like 2016 or something like that. Um, I I want some proof, but... uh, Yeah, (laughs) same. But I thought his rationale was somewhat convincing. I mean, that that is my experience of what I've seen from him too, where he he does... He fights voraciously for rebounds and he plays with a lot of energy and he just makes buckets. And I really... um, you know, his political situation in Turkey right now makes me root for him even more, um, even as a Celtic. Um, this this podcast is not, not high Celtic- on Celtics, friendly. I don't think. Yeah. I mean,
0: it, it just happened. You probably came
1: to the wrong place if you're a Celtics fan. Sorry.
2: Yeah. I'm from Miami,
1: Pistons fan. I mean, <laughs> yeah. None of it's good. Like, yeah. None it's of not. It. You're not sorry. It <laughs> I love Kevin Garnett, though. The whole Kevin Garnett years. I mean, we can talk about that forever. So Anybody I mean, who plays that anything's hard. Anything's possible.
0: There it. <laughs> <Yeah>, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so also at the five, want to mention Daniel Tice. Don't think he's fantasy viable yet, and Williams probably isn't in a standard league either. Might be in our league um, for His block blocks and rebounds, right? Alone could be, could be very valuable for that. But there's another piece here. Daniel Tice got hurt late last season. Before he got hurt, was flashing some nice stat lines and limited minutes. Still don't think he gets enough minutes to matter. But another player to watch if Cantor gets hurt. Williams and Tice become extremely valuable fantasy players really fast.
1: Yeah, I mean monsters bullish on Tice. I mean, he's he's ranked one hundred and fifty third. That's um, a nice line, which, man. Check it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's especially nice line for your build.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, the Celtics are the Celtics are interesting. So uh a few other teams, um, you know, maybe particularly the Kings and the um, the Kings and the Pacers have a lot of depth on their team. Uh, and the Celtics used to be one of those teams who had a lot of wings. They used, they used to have a lot of three, four, even fives. They, they had a bunch of guys to play those forward and center positions. Um, they had Marcus Morris. They had Semi Ogile, who they still have. They had Yabusele, who I think is gone. Um, yep. You know, they had Terry Rozier to play the backup point. They had Aaron Baines, who's gone. Um, and you know, most of those guys are gone. Terry Rozier is gone. Aaron Baines is gone. Yabusele is gone. Marcus Morris is gone. So their, their depth and their, you know, their treasure trove of threes, fours and backup fives are gone. So I kind of don't know what to make of this team because their starting five or six looks pretty good, but then they have no, you know, we've been talking about this with almost every team, the importance of having these switchable uh wings these switchable small forwards power forwards um and centers who can hopefully stay on the floor if a team tries to go small on you and yeah I don't I don't see that for them so it's interesting I, I I really don't know what to make of their team part of me feels like they've got Kemba Jason Tatum can take a jump Ennis Cantor can put up points Jalen Brown can take a jump Gordon Hayward can come back strong so it seems like from a starting lineup from like their top six perspective, they should be the three seed in the East. But after that, you know, it's all question marks after that.
0: There's a lot of opportunity and potential and we don't know what it's gonna look like.
1: you know, Brad Stevens seems to like to play as an underdog and his team seem to like to play as underdogs. It's actually one of the reasons why when Bill Simmons said that he really believed that the Celtics were best positioned. Um, to come in with the three seed. Um, and I think he meant that as in they they just have a sort of inside track for it because of the continuity with the team, because they're not facing big injuries like the Pacers are with Oladipo, um, where they haven't had major roster changes like um, you know losing big stars like the Raptors have. Um, but I still was not entirely believing it, and it was simply because – the talent that has kept them going in recent years is gone. And they didn't cash in their chips um, when they had a chance to bring in a big star. And now they've more or less replaced Kyrie with Kemba, um, which is kind of apples for apples. I mean, I feel like he's going to do more or less the same things. Um, but then also... Big lack on D, though. Kyrie didn't give you much on D.
0: Kyrie's an infinitely better defensive player than Kemba ever will be. And put up stats, had more on-ball pressure than Kemba can ever apply. Kyrie could hold his position when he had the feeling to do so. Kemba can't, even if he wants to. He's just not big enough. I want the numbers on that. Yeah, I, I mean that's to, I fair. I think that's that. that's
2: a fair conversation. That's a, like something we should look at for sure. I mean, because
0: Kyrie has some defensive numbers, and it's really good for fantasy to get those from him. On the court, I'm not sure if it matters. Are these just steals no, I, and chances that are breaking down the rest of the D at other points? So yeah, it could be a hole.
2: Yeah, neither one of them is Eric Bledsoe at the point <laughs> gu- guarding the point guards. I think Kyrie. I think in theory, Kyrie should be better as a defender because he's longer. He's a little bit taller, a few inches taller. He's longer. Um, he's smart. You can't be that good on offense without being smart um, and Anybody like in tuned into the defense. has to be able to play. Yeah. CD. But like he, I think he did it maybe consistently for the first time last year. You know, previous to that, he was an even worse defender. But I think. You know, when it all said and done, neither one of them is great on defense in (laughs) general.
0: (laughs) We can agree on that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But I think, Kyle, to your point, I think part of the reason I don't really know what to make of the Celtics and part of the reason I'm a bit worried for them and the reason I'm not just like, oh, yeah, they're taking the third seed. It's done. is because... They, they kind of built a team of like a ton of hard-nosed defensive guys before, and they're, most of them are gone. You know, we just said Yabusele is gone. Terry Rozier was a good defensive player. Marcus Morris was a tough guy. Aaron Baines was a tough guy. You know... All those guys are gone now, and they
1: still have Marcus Smart, and he's tough as nails. Yeah, Marcus he's Smart, Marcus guy. Smart <laughs> is really
2: good on defense and super tough. I think Jalen Brown is pretty good on defense, but and his Cantor is, is not.
1: Tyce
0: is a tough, tough player. Yeah,
2: yeah, and his Cantor is not great on defense. Jason Tatum is okay. Gordon Hayward is okay. Kemba Walker is less than okay, probably. So. I think their backbone, what they've relied on, as you said, is this underdog mentality, this defense, you know, Brad Stevens calling up great plays in crunch time. And last year they had Kyrie in the clutch to get it done. You know, Kemba and Kyrie might be similar on defense, but one thing is for sure, Kyrie is way better uh, in crunch time on offense. Like that, that, the numbers will back up, I think, you know, unilaterally. So
1: I want to say, I think they're going to be a lot of fun. I think that even as much as I'm not a Celtics fan, I think I will have fun watching this team. I mean, I really like Kemba. I mean, that Enough that, that it's a league pass team for you? Oh, yeah. Really? I mean, okay. I, I'll watch the Celtics for sure. I mean... That, I'm disappointed I in you. I really... Uh, Look at the starting lineup. i I'm mean, they, still just a little disappointed. They promised to be pretty fun. <laughs> And I also think that because they're a little shallow um, this season, they, there's a real opportunity for Carson Edwards to take what he did in Summer League and come out as a rookie. Um, and, uh, and, you know, if he's able to replicate some, even just some of what he did in Summer League— um, I think that he could get himself into rookie of the year conversation, like, like talking about like voted fifth or something like this. But yeah. but he could do that because they, they have a need and he comes in with a ton of confidence and the shooting translates or has so far. And if he's able to do it in the regular season, he's going to have minutes to do it. And that is fun. Yeah. That, that That's guy, fun. Definitely. That guy. That's what the Nets were doing last year.
0: It was fun.
1: That guy in the Elite <laughs> Eight game yeah. was incredible. Yeah, I'll watch that guy. But only only Carson Edwards. <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah,
2: I mean I think they do have some cool guys on their team. Taco Fall, um, and Carson Edwards. Um Brad Wanamaker, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but let's get Shane Larkin. Well, maybe not. Let's get him back on the Celtics, but let's get him back in the NBA. He's out. He's up there putting up forty-point games. But don't you think that Carson
1: overseas. Edwards is the new Shane Larkin?
2: He is, but like, I'm Did salty he go about to Miami, that. Though? I don't. Did I don't. He go to yeah. Miami? Did he go to Miami? Like, is his dad Barry Larkin? Like, does he have? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough question. Pretty Who has elitist. better hair? Pretty Carson, elitist. It, Carson it, Edwards or has Shane has to be Larkin? a professional
1: baseball player for you to really matter.
2: Hey, man, I, I grew up playing baseball. I like baseball. What do you say? What, what can I say? I
0: also need to call out here that Kyle used the word shallow to describe the Celtics. And I actually have it in my notes for this podcast for the 76ers and for the Celtics. I wrote down deep And then I wrote down lack of depth, because this is how everybody talks
1: about it. Nobody calls a team shallow, and I like that you did it. I mean, it's a weakness. And so I just figured, why not use the term that is the corollary to the strength? I'm just calling out the origination of the point when shallow
0: became used to discuss a lack of depth on basketball teams. It was right here. Kyle Stein. I'm pretty sure. Not podcast, podcast. It's but, the first but person. Absolute first person to ever say it. You're absolutely
2: the first person to ever say it. Jokes over facts. Um <laughs> speaking of jokes speaking of jokes over facts, um, I would just like to point out that uh, Brian Winhorse said that Jason Tatum was gonna be the best player on the Celtics last year, and that did not turn out to be true. Um, I love you, Brian windhorse but yeah. I was saying all of last year that the Jason Tatum height had hi- height had hi- hype had gone. Gone too far um, yeah I so mean
0: where is he this year then?
2: so I mean that's a good question he got injured in FIBA so we didn't get a chance to see him play and sort of take on more ball handling responsibilities like he might be asked to do this year I think so the 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 comparison between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is really interesting because I think Jalen Brown is is your more typical best player in the world athlete. I think he's a better athlete than Jason Tatum. A better leaper, more lateral quickness, more impactful defender. Uh, But Jason Tatum is more skilled. He can shoot better. He has more moves. He's a better finisher. He's got more finesse to his game and awareness on the floor. So if you could combine their skill sets, I feel like they'd be great. But right now, I mean, I just don't see it. Okay, so let's run through it. Do you think Jason Tatum can be... This is a dumb one, but let's do it. LeBron James, no. 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 Can Jason Tatum be Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> no. 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 Can Jason Tatum be Kevin Durant? No. Nope. No. Can Jason Tatum be Paul George? No. Uh. Uh-uh.
1: Uh. What's
2: What's left? Who's left? Yeah, that's that's what I'm asking. What's left? Okay. And if and if he is that, what comes after that? Pascal Siakam? No, he's not that long. Well,
1: all the players you mentioned to my mind, had a greater defensive potential than what I've seen possible for Tatum. He seems to work really well in a Celtic system that flies all over the place. Um, he, All of those players you mentioned, in, I know LeBron in recent years has, and probably throughout his career, um, hasn't really been um, seen as someone who has great on-ball defense. But when it came time that it mattered, in the playoffs, he could lock somebody down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and all of those players that you mentioned did that. Even Durant could do that. Um, and actually, I still remember when they when Durant was put on Curry in those in the twenty sixteen playoffs, and he yeah. looked he looked like he could swallow him up. Um, mm-hmm. And Tatum has just never had that kind of, or he, he's never kind of instilled that kind of fear. Um, and so. What would be the comparison? Um, Someone who's going to play— Is he Danilo
2: Gallinari? (laughs) Well, there's
1: no D there.
2: That seems pejorative, but I mean, (laughs) that seems like a slight, but—
0: In terms of value, overall value, maybe, I think we're getting close. I think there's an interesting question here, though, because it goes back to what you were saying, Jalen, when we were talking about championships and we ran through KD, Kawhi, and somebody, and LeBron, you know, these amazing small forwards— who have done this but when you look at the depth of the small forward position in the nba there are these top end players and then it drops off a shelf if you look at the fantasy value i'm pretty it used to be it may still be the weakest valued
1: production out of any positions a small forward is it a slight to say that tatum's Sealing, if he plays as he's playing now, if he sort of continues on the growth curve he's on now, is actually more like Tobias Harris than some of those other elite players. I, so, mean, I love Toby. ding, I love ding, Toby, ding, so ding, yeah. ding I, mean, I don't want it to be a slight, but yeah.
2: I mean I don't think it's I mean it's probably a slight because of the hype that he has had over the past couple of years but Tobias Harris is a really good shooter That's great. Yeah. doesn't have the athleticism He's like a
1: 50 40 90 guy
2: Yeah but he doesn't have the athleticism to sort of be your primary ball handler Um and get to the rim and just he doesn't have that verb that you need from your best small forwards in the NBA and I think based on the evidence yeah not enough (laughs) based on the evidence right now I feel like he's more in the Tobias Harris mold than anyone else can he be Jimmy Butler
1: no not with that defense
2: no Andrew Wiggins he's better than Andrew Uh, Wiggins but come on Um, Gordon Hayward I guess but
0: so in terms of fantasy. Jalen, a lot of people are projecting Brown and Tatum, even smart to some extent, and Hayward with a bounce back, to all possibly outgain their projected value right now. It's not going to be all four of those guys, obviously. Who is it going to be out of those? A lot of people are picking Tatum right now. I'm guessing you're not one of them.
2: I mean, I would take uh, Hayward just because he has the most proven track record as a sort of primary playmaker i think one of the thing one of the undersold things about gordon hayward is his playmaking ability and the celtics were sort of sore and lacking his playmaking ability um obviously the the first year he got injured and then this year he just wasn't himself and so i think his playmaking ability will be really good and you know depending on his usage um you know we might see some really good playmaking stats from here this year
0: yeah all right um Kyle's indicating he has no last thoughts on the Celtics. We're We're done with the Celtics. We're moving on. We were done with the Celtics before we started with the Celtics. It took far too long. We apologize. We're on to the Brooklyn Nets. A really fun team from last year. A really fun team this year, hopefully. It's a really different team. Um, People have been talking about the championship window for the Nets. I'm going to say it's unlocked right now. Uh, and it doesn't open until KD comes back.
2: It's as long as KD's Achilles. That's that's how long it is.
0: <laughs> it's as flexible as KD's Achilles. Yeah,
2: KD has a really long Achilles, Clever. and if it heals, <laughs> that's their championship window.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, this is as you guys know, this is a team I love. This is my main league pass team. Has been for a couple of years. Yeah. Let me
1: begin by asking you a question. All right. So. First thoughts on D'Angelo leaving? I loved the way D'Angelo developed
0: in that last year. I loved that he was sort of a project when he came to the Nets and that their player development there made that happen to some extent. And that Russell changed his approach to the game. And we and, and, and by early 19, when we saw him back on the court finishing games, It was incredible to watch. There was something happen in a player's mind there. A supreme confidence that wasn't there before and then was there. And it was beautiful to watch. And so I don't love him leaving. Um, I love the organic build that he was a part of. I also recognize the other side of this you know, assets, etc., trading them for other assets, etc., and that the Nets needed to do that in that way. Like, we would all be laughing at them right now if Katie said, I'm going to the Nets, and then they came back and like, yeah, we're not offering you a contract. Like, what would we be saying now? So I don't love the inorganic nature of the direction, but I still love the team. I still love some of the young players. I still love the coach in the front office. And that's what I wanted
1: I mean I just wanted the emotional reaction yeah I mean there we got, it is. we've got kind of a logistical <laughs> emotional reaction to the Jared Allen um, DeAndre Jordan yeah race. that's the, that's the
2: question I wanted to ask how do you feel oh. about the Nets uh, picking up DeAndre Jordan as if Jared Allen isn't there ready to take A massive leap.
0: Yeah, this is is the personal part of the question that I was avoiding because Jared (laughs) Allen was one of my very first fantasy finds on the wire. I was watching League Pass. I was watching this guy dunk with a ferocity and a joy that's rare in professional sports, and it was just amazing to me. I started watching this guy grow as a player, and it's been really fun to watch. He was a keeper of mine off the waiver wire. With Jordan coming in, his value is diminished greatly. His ceiling, uh, the, the the approach to the ceiling, I think is going to be quite a bit longer. Um, not my favorite thing. If I'm being a sensible fantasy owner, I actually have to let Jarrett Allen go this season as a fantasy keeper because I have other players that are more valuable. I still don't want to do that, but... We'll see what's happened. So, you know, again, this is like a guy I love to watch. He's still hopefully going to be the starter and getting the majority of the minutes and continue to develop. Maybe Jordan helps with that. I sure hope so. But Jared Allen's a great prospect, a really great guy by all accounts. And I would love to see that work out in a way that it doesn't seem like it will right now. <laughs>
2: I mean, I really hope Kenny Atkinson plays Jared Allen. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Jared Allen is better than DeAndre Jordan. Maybe DeAndre Jordan was just chilling last year. Entirely Um, possible. It's
0: read a lot from a lot of people. They think they'll see a bounce back from Jordan.
2: That's where I was going next, But I still feel like Jared Allen's better.
1: Jared
0: Allen could be better right now, and trying to remove my bias from it, I'm still willing to say Jared Allen is better right now. But... Yeah,
1: Jordan gets in shape, is accountable to his two buddies. Who knows what comes? Can Mm -hmm. Jared Allen create the kind of matchup problems that DeAndre Jordan is going to and the lob threats that he's going to have from Kyrie? I mean, he's going to – I think with Kyrie there, he's going to look a lot like the lob Lob city City. DeAndre. And I think – Yeah, that's possible. And that was – he was – Maybe my favorite part of that, and I actually really like Chris Paul, which I know is not fashionable these days, but <laughs> not at um, all. But I do. I still like Chris Paul. I still want You're the, the best. Only one, you know, I think. want the best for you, Chris Paul. And I, I'll keep watching those State Farm commercials. You, you keep putting them out. <laughs> no, 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 no. They can't do it anymore. Chris Paul and Harden. What's
0: the commercial now?
2: He's going to be by himself, no, I, mean, I guess. Yeah, he
1: doesn't Hardin, need Harden. He
0: didn't get he's that gonna, contract with Harden. He's gonna be Hard, <laughs> Harden got brought on. <laughs> all right. All right. This, this is all Chris Paul. Oh, I guess oh, you they know, cut out a too, didn't they?
2: You like, know what the trained. joke is? Everyone that Chris Paul does uh what is it? State farm commercials with, everyone that he does State Farm commercials with just dominates him uh in the playoffs or is vastly better than him. he's doing them he did them when Harden. He had the one with Steph Curry where it was like Cliff Paul and like Steph Curry's alter ego with glasses. He needs to stop doing commercials with other players. It's not working out for him.
0: That that big contract should allow him to stop doing those commercials
1: (laughs) and regain some dignity, let's say. But the point is, DeAndre could be a lot like what he was in Lob City. Yeah. And I think that... I think it's a good well, development for the Nets. Well, I, I think
0: really as, do. As a team, yes, I agree because one of the things Especially we saw in the saw Eastern
1: Conference, in the Eastern that's Conference, they in the playoffs. We saw Embiid beat the
0: crap out of Jared MB. Allen and Marcus just they in that's that a good big, point. Like, like Embiid demolished him. We all saw the elbow where Jared Allen just fell over like a tree that got chopped down. Like it was ugly. Allen's bigger. He's still not. Jordan size, and he still doesn't have that sort of defensive power and chops. Um, he's on the way. He's put on some poundage. He looks stronger.
2: Okay, so what other relevant questions do we have about the Nets? So I think the Nets, they sold KD on the fact that they had done things right. They had... Uh, executed this organic rebuild that allowed them to do like the Clippers to execute, um, you know, a sign and trade or an outright signing. Uh, It was a sign and sign trade, but they could have signed them outright. Um, And they didn't have to give up or they didn't have to lose too many pieces because they the pieces that they lost. They still had plenty um, in the treasure chest of picks and uh, assets and players on the team that were quality players. But they are kind of running into some trouble in that area. Uh, Rudy Ons is the subject of a domestic violence investigation. Um, Wilson Chandler, uh, was popped for PED usage. Um, so they're quickly running out of some of that depth. Um, so is that a concern for you? Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's a concern and it's one of the reasons, um, Joe Johnson, who ended up with the Pistons, and then also uh, Carmelo are back in discussions there. So I think that's a big issue. I do expect, um, based on what I've read of the Karuk's, uh situation, that he will be suspended, too. Um, we'll see what happens there. But they do have a big early season hole, if that's the case. Um, there are some players that could slide into those roles. Um, Prince possibly moving up is one of the things I've seen discussed. Seems questionable. Um, uh, so there, there are a lot of questions at the forward spot. I think we have some questions too about where we find some other production. Does Karis LeVert have that breakout season? Does Prince have some upside we haven't seen at the Hawks with the Hawks? Um, yeah, and you know all of this. Two, I think part of the discussion here is this is a team that isn't necessarily ready right now. Though They like to tease the idea of KD coming back early. I don't expect that to happen. This is a team for not this season, but next season.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I wonder if we might frame, just to make this a little bit more fun, um, let's frame the Nets in this way. Um, Can the um Atlantic Division repeat what they did last year which was place four teams in the playoffs um they they seem to me the only division in the NBA this year that has a chance really i mean the answer is yes all, four teams all four you think that they're getting in the, no matter what because I'm, i think that the i think the nets are the weak link in this in this repeat healthy Kyrie, they get in without a doubt.
2: I mean, I think I think this is a they're, good question. I was su- going to ask they're, the they're, same. They're thing. There's
1: such a precipitous drop off after Kyrie to the other production on that team. Um, Levert is he's been dynamic. He's been um, you know a really powerful piece on that team when he has played. He also hasn't played more than like half a season in each of the last two. Um, and I just look at it and... He looked great late last season. If he continues to be healthy,
0: I see a bounce in production up. Um, that's one of the places it has to come from. Um, there's going to be offense from Prince... I think we get what we got last year from Dinwiddie. Um, oh, don't forget about Joe Harris, best sure. shooter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there are some questions. One other possibility, um, a couple of young players they like a lot, Musa and Pinson, both had great flashes. Maybe there's more development there. We've seen great player development here. It's a lot of potential still. So, yeah, so I get the susceptibility to them falling off a cliff here. <laughs>
1: Oh, I don't think it would be falling off a cliff. I'm well, talking like maybe they fall out into the just nine or 10th spot where they just a cliff in the east where they just barely don't make it because a team like the Pistons happens to play better than expected. The Bulls happens to play better than expected. Um, who, are there any others that we can think of in the East?
2: So I guess uh, we can go through the team. So um, Raptors, are they making the playoffs?
1: Yes. Sixers? Yep.
2: Yes. Celtics? Yes. Okay, that's 3. Um, we'll skip over the Nets for now. Knicks not making the playoffs. Bucks? Yep. Yes. Pacers? Yep. Yep. That's
1: 5.
2: That's 5. Pistons? Maybe. Mm, Maybe. Yeah. Uh Bulls? No. Mm, Probably not. Okay. So we we're we're on 5, right?
0: Magic or 6. I want the Magic. Magic man.
2: 6. Heat? I do think they do. Seven, Hawks. No. So it's. I think it's between the Pistons, the Bulls, and the Nets. I don't think anyone else is really in the conversation. So the Nets
1: are really probably inside track for it. But I mean, Pistons. I hear you. Pistons have some talent. Yep. Um, They stay healthy. You could also. You could talk me into the Hawks playing a level up teams with young point guards improve on a you know much like s- steeper curve than other teams. It's actually one of the things the that The Hawks kill-
0: media is in complete agreement with you. They're yeah. making the playoffs. Well, it
1: also that's what killed the 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 Hornets, you know, when they used to be in in New Orleans and Chris Paul was there. He was just such a great point guard coming out that he made everyone else around him better and they never got any big picks after him. And True um not a problem for the good. Hawks though not a problem for the Hawks they still have some picks left they do but Trey Young's also good <laughs> and
2: they and they flatten the lottery yeah. odds so right you don't have yeah. to take all tank all the way to the bottom anymore but
0: right. it made the picks less valuable so it's not
1: just the Pistons you could think about the yeah. Hawks you know John Collins and um I think it's an interesting way to look at them just because they so let's Joe Harris um 46% from three last year. Could easily regress. I, I almost feel like it would have to. If he doesn't regress, um, we're talking about one of the greatest shooting runs just even two years consecutively ever. You know, we're talking about like yeah. Steph Curry level achievements just from, you know, from th- from behind the three point line, he'll when, never do it with the with the th- you know the, the number of shots that Curry did, but that, those are huge percentages. Huge percentages, but this is what is going to happen too. The line hasn't
0: moved back. Those percentages will keep going up. Like, especially for a player like Harris, where that's what he does. I mean, you, I know there's a ceiling on this stuff. I get it. But you we will see finer and finer three-point shooters as the years go on. Mark it down.
2: You guys undersold him. He was 47% 47. from three. <laughs> um, No, I mean, I think that's an interesting point because the league average from three keeps getting higher. So it stands to reason if the league average keeps getting higher, the best shooters, especially the ones who aren't shooting off the dribble and creating their own shots, will just continue to shoot better. Right. But it's still still kind of hard, though.
1: Part of that's volume by the people at the top. Right. So Steph Curry has taken more three-pointers in, I think, in each year.
2: Yes. Well, I would also argue that it's also like low volume, high percentage from people at the bottom who like aren't taking many threes, but they have like a good percentage, right, like true. 36 plus. Well, but, those
0: guys are in the corners, in the high yeah. spot. So like that's part of it too. But I think just in the other pieces, this shot is practiced in a way it was never practiced 10 years ago. Yeah.
2: So, like, So, I mean, I don't expect him to shoot 47%, you know, going forward for the rest of his career. But I mean... After in year three, he shot thirty eight percent. Then he was forty one. Then forty seven. So I expect him to shoot forty percent for the rest of his career. I'll say that unless he has like a down yeah. year. Uh, yeah, but I mean,
0: be ugly the, if if <laughs> it dropped that far.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I think the point still stands. Like, I think a good way. I think this was um, Matt Moore who's been saying this. Uh, HP Basketball on Twitter that a uh, one easy way for your team to just. Collapse is for your best point guard to get injured and you not have a competent backup. So for the Hawks, I think that's something that could happen to them. Um, And in a similar vein, it's not the same because obviously the Nets have Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie who can take up that responsibility. And so ideally they would be able to keep the ship afloat until Kyrie gets back. But I mean, you know, we've got no Wilson Chandler. We've got no Kurooks potentially. All of a sudden Kyrie gets injured. Who's really playing the four on this team? Uh, You know, there's Noah Hollis Jefferson. Uh, Is Jared Allen going to play the four? You know, all of a sudden we've got some issues in terms of fit and things like that. The answer Um, is
1: if DeAndre is playing center, absolutely not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they don't have any fours on their roster, basically. Wilson Chandler is suspended, so... Garrett Temple, I guess, can play the four. That's a that's a good fit. Um, but yeah, they'll be they'll <laughs> be fairly Ellison small. They'll is, be they'll be the small basically. Four. They they can't you really think go Garrett big. Garrett
1: Temple is a four, he, that's that's really scaling up though.
2: I mean, yeah, they they don't have any real fours outside of Kurook's. I mean, Henry Ellison, but like, how much is he actually gonna play?
0: Five
1: minutes. <laughs> like, I guess <laughs> this must, this he is might what happens. Forced into more than
2: that. This is what happens when Katie gets injured. You know, you don't have your yeah, best player and. Winter. But even KD, he's, I mean, I guess KD's also completely fine playing the power forward position. Not that he wants to, like, guard power forwards in the post, but he's completely fine being a rim protector, a secondary rim protector. So, yeah, I mean, all that to say, I could totally see, I don't know, I wouldn't be shocked if they missed the playoffs, but I expect them to make the playoffs.
0: I expect them to as well, but it's also... It's weird to be a Brooklyn Nets fan because next year just feels like a throwaway year. It's not like we're not ready to, you know, it's not ready to happen yet. Let's just watch and see. Yeah,
2: it's just waiting in limbo. But I also think, you know, like you said, you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. So does Kyrie hate everyone and ruin the locker room? So that matters, right? Especially with KD not being there to like for them to hate everything together and like bond over that. Um, And then also, does Karis LeVert take a jump? Does Spencer Dinwiddie take a jump? And do, especially, does Karis LeVert stay healthy? So, I mean, I feel like those are the things to watch this year. Does Jared Allen take a jump? So, if it looks like all those things are happening, you know, maybe this is a, you know, uh, a practice year, so to speak. If all those guys take the necessary jumps... Uh, maybe they get a pick or maybe they're able to execute a trade or something and sure up some of the holes in the off season, and then they come into next season fully ready right. to sort of um, build the team and hold the team up uh, around KD then that that would be good
0: yeah I mean one of the great things about the Nets franchise is player development so I think we can be hopeful about those
1: um, any last uh Nets thoughts before we move on. Darren Williams comes off the books this year. Um, <laughs> finally. So th- they <laughs> <That's> have <nice. laughs> they have five players under contract for the next three to four seasons. And those are Durant, Irving, uh Dinwiddie, Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, and Karis Levert. Um I I'll be interested to see they re-signed Joe Harris, I would imagine. I think that he's a perfect fit for them. And uh, I am actually interested to see what happens to Torian Prince. Um, he he played really well um, at times um, for the Hawks. And, An seemed, and seemed to be on a development <laughs> curve. Um, and it's another one of these, like Stanley Johnson, um, where you have a wing who has underperformed on his first team. And um, probably has only really one other big chance before they're just kind of tooling around the league, um, you know, in the 10 to 15 spots, um, taking up injury, you know, minutes for injured players.
2: I feel like Prince has shown more than Johnson, though, no? Am I imagining that?
1: Yeah, I think he has, too.
0: Oh, okay. yeah. The, the, the knock on Prince is his defense. There are quite a few lapses there, and I'm hopeful the intensity that Atkinson brings to the way those guys play. If Prince will ever play defense, this will be the time.
2: Yeah, I think he had, like, one year where he shot the three well, so right. I think the hope is that he'll do that again and then bring the defense.
0: One last question about the Nets. Are either of you purchasing a Dinwiddie token from his contract conversion? <laughs>
2: Uh, I don't think so. What so, is this? Dinwiddie
0: has taken his new contract, three years, thirty-four million. I can't remember exactly, but he is converting it and. Um,
2: Wait, did it already happen? or I thought he was just it's trying process, to... Okay, I believe. yeah. believe.
0: So it hasn't happened yet, and I don't believe it's available yet, but it will be converted to digital tokens, which you can buy now and get payoff later. He's planning to invest it in other things and wanted the lump sum up front is going to make some other things happen with it. So honestly, if I get the chance to buy a Dinwiddie token, I'm buying one.
2: I, I don't really understand it, but from what I've been reading, it's like... He's turning his contract into a stock and yep. you can buy yep. s- some portion of the stock.
0: You can, it's, it's, yeah. Now, I don't know what the monetary value of each token will be off the top, but yes, that's exactly how it's going to work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes, I'm getting one <laughs> I mean, for sheer novelty. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want one, right? Um. Okay. We're moving on to the last team in the Atlantic, um, the sad, sad New York Knicks. Um, The New York Knicks will be a disappointment, but how much of a disappointment?
1: (laughs) Will they ever play all power forwards? (laughs) Can they? Do they have five of them? Oh, I think they do. I think that I think they do have five <laughs> co- power forwards. Let me look here. Starting with Julius Randle, Marcus Morris,
2: Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson. There yeah. you go. <laughs> That's happening. That's and they amazing. actually, interestingly, have
1: guys who are kind of uh, ball handlers yeah. in there. Julius uh, yeah, Julius
2: the, Randle at the at the point it. forward. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh oh
1: my
0: gosh!
2: Oh, um, yeah, my that would goodness. be an
0: incredible lineup. Uh, is that a better lineup than the lineup they'll start?
2: I mean, which power it forward
0: the, <laughs> is the point guard? Which power forward is the point? Aside guard? I think from
1: Mitchell Robinson, who I think in a certain way is th- is their best player, um, that is their yes, fo- yeah. that's their other five best players. So it's like all their six <laughs> best players. Actually, that's a great idea. The five power forwards start, and Mitchell Robinson is sixth man of the New York Knicks year.
2: Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah. I mean,
2: well, who's the f- who's the fifth power forward in that lineup? They should just start Mitchell Robinson. Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, uh, Mitchell Robinson. Taj Gibson
1: go. plays the center okay. in that power forward lineup. I think that you would put Bobby Portis as the four- I think you would put Morris, as, Morris three, as the three,
2: Julius as the two or the one, but we need a one. one.
1: I, I think Julius we, is the one. We need yeah. a two. Yeah. We need a yeah. two. Yeah. And then Knox. Right? Knox. Okay. He's going to play your two. He's more of a
2: small forward though. More of a small then
1: than, than, who, than who's our other power four that we were putting in this well, I threw power Mitchell in there as a center. Just as oh, a yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: but but that but works. Yeah, Knox have no other center at the on two. the
1: lineup. I am pretty the- sure that Knox has played. He's played power
2: enough, forward. probably. Yeah, yeah. where we could Ro-
1: we could count him as an honorary power forward lineup.
2: Yeah, to he played <laughs>
1: some last year, but also Mitchell Robinson's the only five on the
2: lineup. I'm all in on this. Okay, we need to make this uh, shot tower Twitter and tweet this out immediately. This is a brand. This is an <laughs> island. Forward island. I want this. I want all the stake and stock of this island.
0: I mean, it's not unlike what the 76ers are doing. They have all forwards. They're all forwards starting. Is that unless you call them bead or center or horford? They're all forwards. They are,
1: yeah.
2: This is hilarious.
1: This is a great division. <laughs> I mean, think about, think about how big these teams are.
2: Oh, my goodness. So,
1: so,
0: yes, the Knicks, I think our conversation points to the simple fact that the Knicks are a mess. Um, Kyle has called out Mitchell Robinson as their best player. He's one of my keepers. I'll get him at 9 bucks this year. Uh, he's valued it much more. On Monster, they have him at 33 bucks. I think. Uh, in their valuation,
1: but they've also labeled him a bust at that rate. What do you think? His foul numbers from last season were Bad. enough to scare you away from thirty-three, probably. Sure. Um, but free throw percentage 65. This is all going to depend on your league because so we're in a fourteen-team league. That just means that you have a ton of money out there. You know and that means go you. Are, yeah, fourteen-team league. Is going to be, what, uh, uh, $2,800 going out there um, into the auction pool. Into about 210 players. And into about 210 players. And it just means that we're going to have, again, players are going to be overvalued just because of the sheer money that's out there. And because of the, the, you know, the... uh, Values that people are getting on on their keepers, um, but you're in one of your standard leads now, Kyle. Twelve teams, thirty-one for
0: him. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Not I in mean, a standard I love him league. At nine. I like. I, I can't miss at nine. I, I have would, to.
1: I definitely would not do it in a ten-team league. Uh, there's just not enough money out there to make it worth that putting, kind of mistake. Putting, potentially putting thirty-one dollars on him, Yeah, because you you could do a lot better with that money.
0: Um the Knicks have a bunch of other players, Dennis Smith, um, Barrett, Knox, we've discussed a little, Alonzo Trier, Bobby Portis, Julius Randall, et cetera, et cetera. As a real NBA team, this, as we pointed out by our forward lineup, is a complete mess. What are the fantasy opportunities here? Because that's the more interesting take in a functional way
2: i have no idea i mean i suspect rj barrett's gonna play a lot um you're definitely gonna punt field goal percentage i would suspect a he's a rookie shooting guard b he doesn't have the best shooting pedigree or reputation coming out of college as is so you're gonna get a lot of volume i think i think the knicks plan to play him a lot i think i mean it would make sense for them to push him as Rookie of the Year since they don't have a whole lot else to play for or to focus on. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a lot of volume and be in the Rookie of the Year conversation. So, you know, if you're punting field goal percentage and probably turnovers also, um, maybe he's a decent bet for you later in the draft. But outside of that, I mean, Randall...
0: Randall could be Randall could
2: could could be interesting if he's willing uh, and embracing his sort of passing instincts. Yep. You know, sometimes he can get, um, you know, too too headlong on focusing to on getting to the rim. Um, you know, just tunnel vision tunnel vision on getting to the rim. So, uh, but if he's passing the ball, he could he could be interesting.
0: Yeah, and Bobby Portis is gonna get his numbers. Bobby always does. He's gonna get some points. He's, he's always gonna take a shot. He's going to get
1: rebounds. It's just a question of all those mouths to feed, though. Because well, that's the there big- are just so many power forward, small forwards, yeah. and you know some of them. Um, you know, we talk about Knox. He'll probably play more as a small forward, but he can play in certain lineups as a power forward. And he's young, and they probably yep. want to see him get run. Um, I worry that um, they're not going to have much to play for, and. Julius Randle is going to get even fewer minutes potentially than he did last year um, just because of all these players that they're going to be. um, Well, What you're getting at, Kyle, is the other thing here is Fisdale's rotations last
0: year were all over the place. We can't even predict what they'll be. So, like, yeah, Randle's going to start. He could have some enormous production up front, especially if he's passing but then what? <laughs> you know, by the time of your fantasy playoffs, Randall could be on the bench, and he's just trying out different lineups. So, um, you know, there's some costs. I do think it's unlikely here. that
1: they'll do that because they have an under contract for a few more years, and I think they'll want to keep him happy. But I just don't think that you can expect, like, you can't expect Julius Randall to be coming out and getting like 35 minutes. Um, I just think that there are too many players on the team, and they're not really playing for enough. And there's not going to be any incentive for them to put him out there with that kind of injury risk. And well, even with him, even with keeping Randall
0: happy, I don't think they're going to privilege his happiness over the development of Barrett, Knox, Trier, potentially Robinson. I mean, I think the focus still has to be there as the organization, no?
2: Yeah, I feel like not only are there a bunch of power forwards, but they all got paid pretty decent money especially yeah. randall portis yeah maybe morris to a lesser extent and then taj gibson maybe to an even lesser extent but i feel like they have to play randall and portis because of those contracts
1: morris is getting traded <laughs> i really do he's a, he's an expiring contract he's got 15 million somebody's gonna want his skill set for the playoffs Definitely. and he actually played great yeah yep last playoffs.
2: so i mean i mean that might be an actually a smart thing that the the Knicks did, depending on how tradable his contract is, you know, to pick him up knowing that someone is going to want his skill set in the future. I think for sure, I would assume, I would assume, okay, one would think that they would be playing Dennis Smith and RJ Barrett a lot, and those would be the two players that you could bank on playing a lot yes. because the other options are either older, less exciting, less potential. Or just, you know, not making as much money, not as much of a priority. They drafted RJ Barrett super high. Uh, they want him to be a star. He's got to play a lot. And Dennis Smith, they got Dennis Smith in the KP trade. So, I mean, if if he doesn't work Robinson. out, what did you trade KP for? You didn't get KD, you didn't get Kyrie, and then Dennis Smith doesn't work out. So I feel like they have a lot of interest, vested interest in him panning out.
0: They, they definitely do, and, and there were great flashes with Dennis Smith Jr. and Mitchell Robinson running the pick and roll at the ends of games sometimes last year. They actually won a couple of games that way. Um, and it, but and it's interesting to see Alfred Payton and then um, uh, Frank also waiting in the wings at point guard. I mean, if DSG J doesn't get it done, like, these guys are coming in. It's a really dangerous spot for fantasy. Um, you could draft and waste a spot on somebody who's not even playing by midseason.
1: One thing that we should talk about with the Knicks is trades. Um, we already brought up that you could see Marcus Morris going out because he's got an expiring contract. I think that they may look to move on from Neel Um, I've been really interested in teams that might trade for him. Um, I remember looking up at one point and seeing that the Warriors at one point were like associated with Neel and I think it was, but I think it was just a, a yeah. one, of these, like, nonsense, one of these nonsense, uh, you know, basically also, these nonsense writers like you, Jalen, <laughs> somebody, somebody who's just kind of making up stuff on the yeah. inside or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's we, been
0: associated with a bunch of teams, though. The Magic yeah. were interested in a bunch of others. And after his play for France in FIBA, there's a little more interest yeah. right now.
2: Um, I, I'm wondering, what is, what is Wayne Elling, what are Wayne Ellington and... <laughs> and Alfred Payton. Well, maybe well, not Alfred Payton. What, well, what's the what really
1: interesting these... is, is Wayne Ellington
2: and What um, are what? Wayne Ellington and, and Alfred and, and, Payton and doing Bullock. on this team? And Reggie Bullock. What are right? they doing on this team? Nobody else wanted Why Ellington. are they, they on this win. team? Nobody wanted Wayne Ellington? He's the archetype, cheap, yeah. run around screen, super fast, and shoot threes. That Everybody needs one person like that.
1: Well, they also wanted Reggie Bullock to be that, but he had injury concerns, which is also why his contract was renegotiated and he got a non-guaranteed second year. And um, yeah, and his first year, that's I Alt mean, he Morris was originally up there. Yeah, and- he was originally gonna have like a ten million dollar contract or somewhere in that range, and he ends up with four in a non-guaranteed, non-guaranteed second year.
2: Yeah, I feel like the Knicks they didn't do a terrible job outside of the whole like we were gonna get KD the whole. Putting that messaging out there for six months but the actual their summer signings aren't the worst except i feel like they slightly overpaid everyone for some reason but like they slightly overpaid everyone and they have way too many power forwards but other than that it's they didn't kill themselves they didn't lock themselves in for you know 2021 or 2022 they're not interested in the free agents next year they're looking past that so
1: gotta have salary filler you do Yep, they filled it up with
0: Bobby Portis. (laughs) And that is a wrap on the Atlantic and the East. We'll be back next week with the West. Probably the Southwest Division could be another one. We'll see. Um, We'll see you next week at the Shot Tower
1: Podcast. Cheers.